listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. You're looking good. Come on, tell someone around you're looking good, looking good, looking good, looking good. Fantastic, fantastic. I want to talk tonight. Uh, I was even contemplating sitting down and talking to you tonight because I really just want to open up my heart to you tonight. A lot of people have asked a lot of questions over the last week and a half. And as a pastor, as a shepherd, I know it's our responsibility to help give answers and help people. And I've just really been praying about that and asking God just to give us wisdom and direction because it's not our opinions that matter. It's what God's Word says in situations. But I just really felt God gave me a theme or a message for tonight called Taking Back Our City. Taking Back Our City. Taking back our minds, taking back our lives, coming against fear, coming against doubt, that it's time to take back our city. Do I hear an amen? We're going to take back, we're going to take back our city. And I'm so glad, as always, that you chose to be with us today. I know there's a whole lot of great churches in Baton Rouge, and we are very blessed. I met with 16 pastors this morning from just our communities in this area, just phenomenal people that just love God. And and I know there's many choices that you could have made, but can I just let you into a secret? You made the best choice. Uh, We just think you made a really good choice being here today. We've got a great church and and I love church. I love church so much I preached about it on Sunday, amen? Preached a message and I just know that church has a direct benefit for each one of our lives. In other words, you're going to feel better for being here. That's what we believe and every time that you'll come in that you'll feel better here. And what a time that we are in right now as a community. What a time we are in as a city. What a time we are in as a state and a nation right now. And the world is watching us. The world is poised. They're watching to see what is happening. I've got friends in England that have been texting me, Ireland that have been texting me, San Antonio. All over the world, the country have been saying, hey, we're praying for you. We're watching what is going on. And it's so important if the world is watching us, they're also listening to us. And it's so important that we present to the world the solution and the right answers to the problems that are facing us. Because for many people, what they're seeing around us right now is an obstacle. But I want to tell you right now, I don't see it as an obstacle. I see it as an opportunity. And what people may perceive as an obstacle, we're going to look at and we're going to see and choose to see as an opportunity. And really, an obstacle and an opportunity, they're really almost the same thing. It's just differently how you approach them and how you look at them and how you perceive 
them, or really more than that. It's not just what you see in the situation. We want to talk about it like this. It's who you are in the situation. Who are you in the situation? What do we do with it? I know I've told this story many times before, but it's really one of my go-to stories, and I absolutely love it. There was a young boy that he wanted a new bike. And so what he did for many weeks was he cut all the people's yards in his neighborhood. He went around and said, hey, I'll cut them. Give me whatever you want. People would make donations to him. People would give them. And finally, one day, a man was saying to him, well, son, why are you cutting all the yards? What's going on? He said, well, sir, I'm really trying to raise money to buy a bike. And the guy says, well, I tell you what, this is your day. I can help you. I have two bikes that I'm not even using But I need a loan mower. So can we make a trade? What about if you give me your mower and I give you my bike? How about that? The guy was just ecstatic. He was so excited. Wow, this is great. No more sweating, having to work hard. And he's riding around the neighborhood and around the neighborhood and around the neighborhood. And finally, he's passing by this guy's yard a few times, and he sees this guy in the yard, and he's pulling on that mower, and he's pulling on that mower, and nothing's happening. So finally, he calls the boy over. He says, son, come over here. What's the deal? I thought you said the mower worked. What's happening? The little boy says, well, sir, it does work. Can I just let you into a secret? He said, in order to get it to start, you've got to curse at it. Works every time. The man said, son, do you know who I am? I'm a deacon in my church. I'm an elder. I'm a Christian. I haven't cursed for at least 30 years. And the little boy took off on his bike and looked over his shoulder and he said, sir, keep pulling. It will come back to you. Come on, don't look at me all holy. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Keep pulling and some things come to the surface that you're like, man, I didn't... Why would I say that to start off today? Because I believe some things have been pulled in our lives in the last week and a half. And as a result of what's been pulled in our life, some things have come to the surface that we didn't realize were issues that we were dealing with in our life. In fact, it's been some things that we have thought we were so far beyond and away from. But I'm telling you right now, it's amazing what can be exposed in every one of us when we are brought to our knees. And we see what has happened all around us. And our first response every time always has to be inward. Our response so many times is to point the finger and blame everyone else. Well, if it wasn't for this and if it wasn't for that. Our first response when things come to the surface and are brought to light needs to always be inward. We need to check our hearts. We need to check our lives. We need to ask the question, am I right? Is it right with me? Because I believe through this situation that can be an obstacle that we're going to see as an opportunity. God can do something magnificent in this that will change our lives forever. I believe God can give us a new name. He can give us a new identity. He can give us 
a new life. And I'm going to read two verses again. I've talked on these on social media. I talked on this on Prayer Encounter last Saturday. And this is not my main message, but I just want to allude to this again because I really believe this is a scripture that God has given me through this situation that every one of us needs to hear right now. And it's from 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And if you've ever read 1 Chronicles, that's some tough reading. Amen. That's some tough names right there. If you're reading through with us, and I pray you are on your daily reading plan, that's been some tough stuff. Thank God for a Psalms and Proverbs on those days. Can I hear an amen? That's some tough stuff. I'm glad it's reading to me because I struggle with those names. And I like it to read it to me. But listen to what it says again. Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. It says this, Now Jabez was more honorable than all of his brothers. And his mother called his name Pain, Jabez, Pain, saying, I bore him in pain. Listen to this. She bore him in pain. Because of her experience, she labeled his life according to her pain. What we've got to watch in our lives is this, that we're not naming our kids, those around us, according to the pain of the experiences of our lives. Come on, we don't want that thing to carry on because of a moment of our lives is not worth a lifetime for our children and the next generations. Do I hear an amen? So we've got to watch. We've got to guard our hearts with that. And Jabez, say with me, pain. He called on the God of Israel saying, Oh God, would you bless me indeed? Would you enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me or upon me, that you would keep me from evil, that I might not cause pain. Remember the pain that I received at the expense of someone else's pain, but now it's my identity. It's what I have to live with. Nothing that I got or I received and now I've got to live with it. So God, the Bible says, granted him what he requested. What an obstacle he turned into an opportunity. What an obstacle he turned. If you don't think he had an obstacle in his life, try living with that name. Try living with the name pain. And really when you look at it in the original language, it's more than just his pain. The thought is this, he will bring pain. He's going to be pain. So if you're going to be a friend with him, you're probably going to suffer as a result of the person he was. A name like pain is not going to get you many friends. A name like pain is not going to get you picked early on the playground. In fact, you're going to be the one at the end they're fighting over who doesn't want on their team. The name pain is not going to get you first in line for the job. Oh, I think I'll give pain a promotion. It's not popular. It was an obstacle that he had to deal with every day in his life. But he got to a place where he said, enough is enough. Enough is enough. And he said, this obstacle can be a stepping stone. It can become an opportunity because what? He did something about it. If we're going to take back our city, it's time that we start doing something about it. Oh, we're talking about it, but it's time we start doing something about it. 
In a list of others, in a crowd of names, he distinguished himself. The Bible says he was more honourable than those around. He cried out to God. He made God a request. He said, God, would you bless me? God, would you enlarge me? Would you build me? Would you put your hand upon me? God, would you keep evil from me? And God, may I not cause or inflict any more pain on anyone else? And the Bible says God answered his prayer. That's the choice that you and I must take today. We must make that choice today to turn our lives totally over to God. We've got to understand this. The cause and the reason for the things that are happening today is due to sin. Come on, let me say that again. What's happening today, the problem that we're facing today is a sin problem. It's not a skin problem. It's a sin problem. And we've got to fess up to that and we've got to realize that, that God's the only one that can heal a heart. God's the only one that can heal a prejudice. God's the only one that can touch those persuasions, biases, whatever it may be. The things that have come to the surface in our life that we maybe don't like and we've tried to push back. But I'm glad they've been brought to the surface because now we can deal with them and we can make a choice. Am I going to live with those and be pain or am I going to cry out to God and let him turn my pain into gain? I know that's kind of cheesy, but it works. God wants to turn our pain around. If we're going to take back our city, we've got to understand something. You ready? Let's look at some scriptures tonight. I'm going to read some of them from the New Living Translation. Look what it says from Colossians 3.11. It says, in this life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or you are a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And He lives in all of us. Listen to me. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, yellow, green, blue, orange. That's what it's saying right there. It says all that matters is what? That Christ is living inside of all of us. That's a great scripture. Read it through. But look what it says in verse 15. It talks in between about making allowance for other people, forgiving offense. Having love in your life. But look what it says, verse 15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of what? One body. You are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Galatians 3, 26. For you are all children of God. Let me say that again. You are all children of God of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You know what we've just read right there? That we are all brothers. That we are all children of God. That's how God sees us. That's how God chooses to see us. Man is the one that sees division. Man is the one that sees race. Man is the one that sees color. But what God says in his word and how we should see each other is we should see ourselves as one in Christ, as believers. We should see ourselves as one, believing for those who are not saved to still be one with us in Christ because separation is a man thing, not a God thing. 
And I want you to know something. I want you to see how what we see around us today, in this church, right around you today, I want you to understand something tonight, that what you see today is something that I saw 36 years ago as a child. Can I explain that to you? Growing up in England, we didn't have racial tensions. I didn't even know what racism... I I knew vaguely what it was because we've seen movies and we know those kind of things. But in the life that we lived, in the community that we lived, the area, even really as a country, Pete and I talked about it. It's changed now, unfortunately. But when we were growing up, there was no such thing. And I remember at the age of 21 coming to America and that was one of the things that shocked me the most. When I first came to America, I experienced it firsthand. Only something I'd vaguely seen in a movie before and I could not believe that it was something that was still happening today. I thought it was gone. I thought it was over. I thought the movies had ended. It ended. And I was horrified and shocked. So picture this, here I am as a young boy, I'm growing up in England. In the type of people, when I was at high school, there was actually one black kid in my whole high school. His name was Sasha Holt. He was a great kid, a great friend, teammate of ours. But I remember growing up in what we thought was a perfect community. And in this perfect, what I thought was a perfect world, I had a dream. And I had a dream that I didn't understand, but I now know was from God. And as an eight-year-old boy, I saw a congregation and a church that one day I would be leading with different races and different colors and different types of people that I wasn't even almost aware of in my bubble, if you want to say it in that way. I saw a picture of what was going to happen with people from all races and color worshiping together. So when you sit in here today, this is something that I've seen and carried for 36 years now. And why is that? Can I tell you why that is? Because God has called us to be His people. He's called us to be one people. He's not called us to be divided. He's called us to be unified. He's called us to be one. You are a part of a dream that God gave me 36 years ago. And what do we know about God? If you were to read the book of Acts, here's something that you know about God when it comes to math. God's the God of addition and multiplication. The Bible says, and daily was added to the church. It says, and the church multiplied and grew. What do we see about God? God's about adding. God's about multiplying. That's God's math. But for everything that God has, Satan has something else. Because Satan has his math. And you know his math? Division and subtraction. And algebra. How many would say that algebra has got to be from the devil? Anyone with me on that? Devil! Get out of here. Come on, cast out that devil. Pete loves algebra. Pray for Pete. Can you just pray for Pete? We always knew there was a problem. Now we know why. But Satan is all about the opposite. Listen to me. Satan cannot create 
anything. All he can do is take whatever has already been created and disrupt that. He takes God's plan, which is perfect, and he does everything within his power to destroy it. He takes what God has added and multiplied, what God has blessed, and Satan wants to twist it and turn it and subtract and divide, causing disunity, causing tension, causing hatred. But if we're going to take our city back, we're going to do it one life at a time. And the first life that we have to take back is our own life. It's our own thoughts. It's our own opinions. It's our own lives. Those deep-rooted things that we never perhaps even thought were there, but have come back to the surface through these things. Come on, we've got to take those things back. We've got to start with our own lives. We've got to start with what we possess the power over. I can't change someone else, but I can sure make the choices and decisions for my life that will change my life. And the first one is surrender. Amen? To surrender my life to God. To take back control of my life is to surrender it and give it all to God. So what's got to be our stance? People have asked, so where's your opinion? What are you doing? What's your stance or your position on this situation? I'm going to give you three things that needs to be our stance and our position. If we're going to take back our city. Starting with you and I. Because I don't know about you, I'm trying to help you because we've had enough pain. We've, we've allowed the devil to have a foothold in our lives, in our homes, in our communities, around us for long enough. And we're saying enough is enough. I want to give you three things that needs to be our stance and position as a child of God. Number one, we need to pray. We need to pray. For some people, unfortunately, that's all they do. Did you catch that? For some people, that's all they do. They pray. It's great to pray, but God wants us to have action too. God wants us to do things. I think prayer is so powerful in my life because prayer reminds me of who's in control. That I need the help of God. That I need to recruit God into my situations. Invite Him in to those things. To be honest with Him. It just really helps me in that. It helps me understand that I'm not in control. We like to think that we're in control, but we're not. Listen to this. Prayer transfers the problem from you, or the problem called you, to Jesus. It takes it out of your hands and it puts it in the hands of the greatest person that has ever lived, who is also the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Savior, Redeemer, and King. We don't possess the power to fix what we see around us. We're called to play a part, but the solution is really only God. Only God can do it. You've probably seen this verse, you've heard this verse, it's been quoted, it's been posted a lot in the past week or so, but it's the truth. I mean, you can't steer it away from it, and the truth equals freedom. The Bible says you know the truth, and the truth you know is what brings freedom. So we need to know these truths so they can become freedoms to each and every one of our lives. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, Then 
Then, then. I love from the New Living Translation, it starts, it says, then, 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 then. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will restore their land. Notice this, when we pray, God says we're to humble ourselves. But what also he says is this, we are to turn from our wicked ways. We are to repent if there is any wrong in our life. Because the Bible tells us of this, look at this. Because God says, I'll hear from heaven. And God says, I'm going to do two things. But notice the first thing that he's going to do in response to our repentance. God's going to forgive who first? He's going to forgive us first. The responsibility has to be first at our door. That we need to cry out and we need to ask God to first forgive us. We need to repent before God. Because the Bible says that after he's forgiven us, what is he then going to do? I'm going to restore your land. I think so many times we pray the wrong prayer. And here's a prayer that we wrongly pray so many times. God, would you use me? And we can say, well, what's wrong with that prayer? Because many times we've prayed a prayer like that with sin in our life, with guilt in our life, knowing we're doing wrong, but we're still pleading with God, even what I'm doing, God, would you still use me? Almost as a justification of what we're doing. I think the right prayer to pray in our lives is not, God, would you use me, but can I know you? The prayer needs to be, God, I want to know you more. Because when we know God more, guess what? We'll see ourselves for really who we are because we'll discover who he really is and his grace and love and mercy. And when we get to know him more, we'll expose our errors and our lives. And And instead of asking him to use us in our sin, we'll ask him to deliver us from our sins and to set us free. Look at this I came across today. I think it's on the screen. It says this, In prayer, the first thing God will want to talk to you about is usually the last thing you want to talk to Him about. Namely, the sins that you do not want to let go. Ever been around someone and you know they're going to ask you a question and you don't want to answer the question, so what do you do? You just run your mouth. <laughs> I know that with my kids because I know how I was as a kid. If, I, if, if I'm in a situation, someone wants to meet me and I know it's going to be an uncomfortable situation, I'm just running my mouth and I'm just going 100 miles an hour because if I can keep talking, then maybe they'll forget. Or maybe I can answer the question in my own way or the problem in my own way. And that's what we do so many times when we come to God. We just run our mouth, run our mouth, run our mouth, run our mouth. And the first thing God wants to talk about is the last thing many times that we want to talk about. But why is that? Because he loves you. And he loves you so much he doesn't want to see you suffering and struggling and fumbling through life. When he's got the answers for everything that you need. It starts with prayer inward. Before our prayers need to be outward. 
We've got to have it right inward so we can start being right outward. Our stance as a church, our stance as the leadership hasn't been his, our opinion. Our stance over and over again to people is this, we're we're praying. We're praying for our city. We're praying for those that justice would be served. We're praying for families who have lost loved ones. We're praying for the senselessness that's happening all around us. We're praying for the division, that there would be unity. We're praying for our city and nation. Why? Because this is a sin problem. The very core to this is sin. Hatred, racism, whatever you want to call it, it's a sin. Why? Because it's a heart issue. I know tonight this is not a feel-good amen message, but I just really feel we need to just get this off our chest and understand some things. It's a sin issue, and the only one that can heal... You see, the world wants to label it as something else because it wants to think it has the solution. Now, if you're an alcoholic, they're calling it a sickness. It's not a sickness, it's a sin. It's a sin that you need deliverance from, and the only one who can deliver you is Jesus Christ. The world wants to label it whatever they want, but the truth of the matter is this. If it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, if it swims like a duck... A duck. No, it's a chicken. No. It's a duck. What we are seeing around us today is a sin problem, and the only way sin can be overcome is if we surrender and pray and give our lives over to God. Look what Jesus says as we repent, as we cry out to God. He says this, but then he goes one step further. Now what is our stance in prayer? What must we do? Matthew 5, 44, he says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. You can't do that if your heart's wrong. Do good to those who hate you. This is a tough list right here. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's not a good list. I don't like what's been done to me. But what God is saying here is forget what's been done to you. What is your response to it? Because that's what we're going to be judged on when we stand before God. It's not what others have done to us. It's what we have done in response to what they have done. Forgiveness will put you to the grave. Let me say it one more time. Can I say this? Unforgiveness, I mean, will put you to the grave and it will also maybe even put you in hell. You've got to let go of these things. You've got to trust God. So what do we pray? We pray first for ourselves that God, if there's anything in me, God, would you heal me? Because God, it has to first start with me. But then secondly, what do we do? We pray for those who have oppressed us. We pray for those who have wrongfully treated us. And we pray what? That God would bless them. You know why we pray that God would bless them? Because our prayer is this, that God would give them the same grace and mercy that he gave to us. And that God would change their lives in the same way we changed our life. Remember how you were before you were saved? Most of you weren't nice people. Anyone know someone that needs a little bit more salvation sitting around you maybe? Come on. You weren't a nice person. But you're a changed man and a changed woman now because of God. That's why you pray the blessing of God upon someone's life. For what reason? That God would change them the same way he changed you. 
So you pray for yourself. Here's the second stance. Are you ready? We've got to stand up for justice. We've got to stand for justice. We've got to stand for what is right. We've got to stand against prejudice. We've got to stand against these things. I looked at the word prejudice in the, in the dictionary. And it means an opinion formed without taking time and care to judge fairly. Another meaning of it just really shocked me. And I thought, wow, it's so true. Another meaning is this, to harm or to injure. Look around us today, the harm that it's done in our nation, in our community. Don't tell me that's not true. The injury that it's done to people, to families, to cities. But look what Jesus says about justice. Because trust me, what he has to say is a whole lot better than what the news media has to say. And what the legal system has. What he has to say is the truth. Look what Jesus has to say about justice. Matthew 12, 18, 21, New Living Translation. Jesus said, look at my servant who I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. That's you he's talking about. I said, that's you. That's me he's talking about. Look at them. They're pleasing me. I pray that's our life, that we're pleasing to God. Look what it says. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice. To the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public, in the streets is the thought. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name will be the hope of the world. See, what we're hearing here is this. What do we just read? It says, one who proclaims justice is those who proclaim it to those who don't know God. What an opportunity we have right now to live right, to be right, to do right, to show the world what is truth. And to show the world what is God. We've got to proclaim justice to the ones who don't know God. Our goal, it says, is not to fight, but to stand for justice. For what reason? So other people will follow. Other people will know Christ through this and they will follow because he is the hope of the world. He's the only hope for the world. It's time that others take their lead from us. The church has taken the lead from the, ch- from the world for long enough. It's time that we take back the lead if we're going to take back our city and say, you know what, we're not going to go that way anymore. We're going to go God's way. We're going to fight for justice and what is right. Because others will take their lead from you. So where are you leading them? Are you leading people to justice or are you leading people to Jabez? That's pain, by the way. Here's our third stance. Are you ready? We've got to keep doing what is right. We've got to keep doing what is right. I want to say something strong today, but it's the truth. Retribution is not biblical. Retribution, taking revenge, taking matters into your own hands, is not biblical. It's not godly. It's not right. We've got to pray, we've got to seek justice, and we've got to keep praying, and we've got to keep seeking justice. We cannot deviate from the path, we've got to keep focused, we've got to keep directed, we've got to keep going the right way. Why? Because that's the solution. Two wrongs will never make a right. The answer to pain is not 
let me cause more pain. Because when is enough pain ever going to solve a situation? Never. I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said these words. He said, violence never brings permanent peace. It so solves no social problem. It merely creates new and more complicated ones. I know it's hard sometimes to keep doing right. I have a great friend who's a pastor in our community. He's an African-American And it was amazing today just to hear him pouring out his heart. And I love to hear, I'm having breakfast with him tomorrow. It's lovely just to hear his heart because I want to make sure that I'm getting everything in the right perspective and in the right order. And it's amazing to hear, it's hard when you hear some of the things and the struggles that he's had to go through in his life. And he's admitted it's hard sometimes to keep doing the right thing. But we've got to watch because that's what God is asking for us to do. And it's especially hard to do the right thing when sometimes you feel like you're the only one that's doing it. It's easy to get sucked into the crowd. Any fish can swim with the flow. It takes something to swim against the flow. And that's what God wants us to be. We're swimming against the cultures of this world. We're swimming against the thoughts and the laws of this world. Not because we're rebelling against them, but we're still believing God's word over what man says. And when you feel like you're all alone, you've got to constantly remind yourself that if you're standing up for what is true and you are remaining in that position, God is standing with you. And when God is standing with you, you are a majority every time. If we're going to take back our city, you've got to keep doing and still do what is right. And listen to me, and what's right to him, not what's right to you. Because Proverbs 14, that's the wrong scripture. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way that seems right. There's a big difference between what seems right and is right. Amen? It's a big difference to what seems right, what feels right, but is not right and won't be all right. Because the Bible says there is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death, destruction, damnation. I want to close with this scripture. We're going to be reading a few verses today, but I want you to follow along with me tonight. Romans 12, beginning in verse 2, it says, Do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Jump down to verse 6. It says this, In His grace... God has given us differing or different gifts for doing certain things well. So he says, do them well and don't stop is the thought. Verse 9, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what's wrong and hold tightly to what is right. Hate what's wrong, stand for justice. Keep standing and keep holding on tightly to what is good. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Well, we've heard that before tonight. Don't curse them, but pray that God would bless them. Verse 17. Never pay back evil with more evil. 
Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Remember those words? Jabez, the Bible says he was more honorable than all of his brothers. The Bible says do things that man would see, what that everyone would see that you are more honorable. That doesn't mean you're better than anyone else, but your life is distinguished and the distinguishing factor always needs to be God. That people would see you. Matthew 5 says that they would see your good works, but they would see God in that. That's the goal of every one of our lives, that we want people to see God in us. How do we do that? As we stand in prayer, as we stand for what's right, and we keep standing and we remain standing. That's what will be seen. Verse 18. Do all you can to live in peace with everyone. 19, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay back, says the Lord. Instead, look what the Bible tells us to do, verse 20. Instead, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give them something to drink. Because in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame upon their heads. And here's the clincher right here. Do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. If we're going to take back our city... It's got to start with us. Because we can't be pointing the fingers at everyone else. It first needs to begin in our hearts and in our lives. So then we can pray in the right way. Has anyone ever prayed for someone in the wrong way? Come on. Wish they would die. Wish they would get sick. Wish their dog would die, their cat would die. Has anyone ever prayed a cat would die? That's a pretty good prayer right there. <laughs> I wished you would change my husband. First prayer needs to be where? If our city's going to be changed, it starts one life at a time and it begins with me. Because the prayer needs to be God, I've got to be right. So I can be all right. So I can pray with a right heart for those around. Then what have I got to do? I've got to stand for justice. Hey, you may like me or you may not like me. But I'm sorry, this is what God's word says. And I've got to stand up for what is right. And God says, I've got to love these people. I've got to pray for them. I've got to believe for them. I, I, I can't seek revenge over their lives. God clearly tells me that I've got to bring justice to those who don't know God. I've got to be the example of Christ to those who don't know Him. And then the third thing I've got to do is this. I've got to keep standing. Remember in the Bible where it talks about the armor of God, put on the armor of God? You know what it says before the armor? It says this, having done all to stand... Stand. That you get knocked down. In fact, in that passage, there's three stands there. And I've talked about this before. The first stand is this, to stand in opposition to. 
So you've got to stand in opposition to. It's like holding a door, trying to stop someone coming in. That's the first stand. The second stand is this. Are you ready? That you're knocked to your feet. You're knocked to your knees. You're knocked off your feet. But what do you do? You get back up. Come on, you may be knocked down, but you get back up. And then there's a third stand in there. You may be a little bit wobbly because you've been knocked down. But then you say, come on, devil, bring it on. Is that all you've got? Because let me tell you something. I'm still here. I'm still here. Come on, if Satan could have killed you, he would have done it a long time. But the reason you're here is to show that he doesn't have the power over your life. God does. Come on, devil, bring it on. Why? Because I'm praying. I'm standing and I am remaining true in Christ. And you know what that's going to do? That's going to change our city, our nation, and our world. Well, what about my opinion? Give it to God. And you stand for His truth. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldier of the cross. Remember that one? Lift high His royal banner. It must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army he shall lead till every foe is vanquished. And Christ is Christ and he is Lord indeed. What is God calling us to do? To stand up for Jesus. Stand up for justice. Stand up for what is right. Be on our face. Oh, I thought you said stand. Yes, but be on your face in prayer before God. Because we need to see our city changed. But our city changes as we change. Because our change can change everything. Would you stand to your feet today? Do you receive that tonight? Precious Jesus, precious Jesus. Precious Lord. God, we thank you tonight. Not for the obstacle, but for the opportunity. Because God, what an opportunity this is. Because people like never before, they're primed and ready. This is such a time for us to talk to them about you. God, what are we showing them in this situation? Are we using this as an opportunity to promote you? Or are we using it as an opportunity to promote our own opinion and agenda? Because what an opportunity we have right now to pray. First pray, God, is it right with me? Is, is everything okay with me? And God, when we begin there, then we can start praying. God, would you touch the hearts and lives of those around us? God, would you help me to stand up for what is justice, that by my example in life, other people would see truth. And God, that I would remain, that I would be faithful. I may not see it today like we preached the other week. It's hard, it's hard between the shovel and the sickle. The transition is not easy, but our seed is not going to die in the ground. Because God, we're going to remain standing. We're going to trust you. We're going to trust you. Every head is every... If every, every sure, get out. If every head is bowed and every eye is closed tonight. I wonder tonight... We laughed about it. But I wonder tonight as things have been pulled around us in the last few weeks, as every head is bowed and eyes closed, no one's looking around. 
I wonder with those things that have been pulled and the things that have happened around, I wonder how many people would admit today that some things have come to the surface of my life I'm not proud of and I need to get it right with God. Come on, right now. I'm not asking, are you going to hell? I'm, I'm just asking, has there been some prejudice that's come up? Has there been some animosity? Has there been some wrong thoughts? Has there been some wrongdoing? Come on, every head is bad. No one's looking around. Come on, I know there's more than that. hands up because we're saying God first begin with us what do we need to do today we need to cry and say God would you forgive me because God I don't want any wicked way in me dear Heavenly Father God forgive our hearts forgive our lives that God we would know you in a greater way God that you would rid us of all these things that the world has given us because hatred is not something that you've given us that's a learned trait that we have received from other people. God, what you have given us is love. What you've given us is blessing. What you've given us is power. And God, that's what we choose to use. I wonder if there's anyone right now that would say, Pastor, my life's not right with God. But I just need to make it right with God. Is there anyone right now you'd lift up your hand and say, please, would you pray with me? Precious Jesus. Can we just pray together? Repeat this prayer. Say, dear Heavenly Father, Come into my life. Change me. Transform me. Renew me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, I just pray, God, for each and every one of us that we would take back our city, beginning with our own hearts and our own lives. God, we come against fear. We come against doubt. We come against hatred. We come against racism. We come against sin because, God, that's what it is. God, we know what the answer for sin is your shed blood and God we pray that God through this God it would be such an opportunity that God we would see our church more than double in size not just our church we'd see the kingdom of God grow because what an opportunity we have to share you with other people God I thank you for the beautiful church that you've given us the picture of heaven that our church is with everyone worshipping together why because all that matters is that we're one in Christ God, we want a church where everyone knows that everyone is welcome because we're all one in Christ. We love you, we praise you, we adore you. In Jesus' name, shout amen in the house. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.